Hello to everybody who thinks that sandwich is a mess. It's Beautiful Anonymous, one hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcoming you to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous, a show where we talk to people one at a time. People get to go off in different directions. People get to tell us stories. People get to keep it very real. And this one today is quite real. Before I get into it, I want to say that uh, I really loved the feedback to last week's episode. We aired our first episode from Beautiful Anonymous in Brooklyn, New York. A lot of people were excited to hear Shell Shag play live and In the comments, I noticed a lot of people appreciated the resolution to the Parade Girl saga as the community has come to know it. This is, of course, a caller who called up in the summer of 2022, got on the show, and then proceeded to somehow keep getting friends of hers on the show who showed up live in person in Brooklyn and then got on stage at the end of that call. And man, if you skipped that one, but you want to hear it just descend into pure, joyful, lovable chaos... Don't miss out on that. Now, this week's episode, you might hear it in my voice that my voice is a little raw. Some of this is because I had a show last night. Some of it this week is because big clouds of billowing smoke have been rolling through New Jersey. This has become national news. The whole eastern seaboard has been hit at this point, pretty much from all the way up to the border of Canada, down through Baltimore and DC. The smoke is getting tons of coverage. But in the American coverage, I think a lot of us are just kind of forgetting the smoke is coming from a fire in Canada. And the fire is nuts. And we had a caller reach out who lives in an area that is right there, right on the edge of that fire. And she works in a field where She has personally been in homes that are now destroyed. There are friends of hers from the animal world that have not made it. I want to brace you for that uh, because it's emotional. And she tells us what it's like to be someplace where you get blindsided by a natural disaster like this. And we connect and we bond over the fact that we both are dealing with the repercussions of this hundreds of miles apart. And I enjoyed the call. Uh, you'll hear in the beginning, the caller's a little nervous, a little scattered, but the caller's also in the midst of living in an area that's been rocked by trauma. So I will ask you to please take a deep breath and be patient as we get into it because there's so much to say. And much love to everybody who's been breathing in all that smoke. Much love to all of our friends up there in Canada who have been dealing with the fire. And I'm hoping that there might be people out there who get in the Facebook group or on Twitter and let me know about other ways in which environmentalism is happening in a hands-on way. Because I have a feeling a lot of people might feel mobilized after this one to find a way to help. All right, stay safe, everybody. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host, Hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Can you hear me? I can hear oh you. Oh my can god. You hear me? <laughs> Sorry. Yes, I can hear you. We're doing this. Oh my god. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, in general, feeling good. Uh, just to give perspective to anyone hearing this, we are. I'm. I'm recording this in New Jersey on day three of the smoke situation that's been making all the news. So I'm waiting to see if the smoke rolls in again today. The past two nights, we've gotten it real bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, How are you doing? Yeah, um, I'm good. I'm good. I I feel awkward even like, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. Um, I just, I didn't really know exactly what to say when you were talking about the smoke because that's part of why I called. Um yeah, I, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a doozy, but I literally took notes so I wouldn't forget things. Okay. Yeah. So how are you involved? You said you're. This is why you called. How so? Yeah. Um. So, I guess I I was gonna I had like a plan for how I was gonna talk about it, and I'm probably gonna cry quite a bit too because it's a, it's sad, but um I'm just gonna get right into it. 
and feel free to cut me off. And if I'm swearing too much, just tell me to shut up because I'm, I swear like a sailor. It's really bad. Um, but I just want to kind of start off and talk about what I, I do. Cause it kind of, um, like as a, as like my day job, I am a dog walker and I'm a pet service provider and, uh, I've done it since 2017. And um, I'm very familiar with all of the houses in my town. I've been in like, I think I I sent you a message years ago telling you that like beautiful anonymous was always something that I um, leaned on because I would literally live house to house. And like one at one week I would be in the city and the next week I'd be a different part of the province. And it was always just living with people's pets in their houses. Sorry if I'm babbling. I feel like I'm just like talking way too much and too fast. Oh no, please, please. So yeah. So basically I'm, I'm a dog walker and I get into people's houses. Um, I'm very familiar with the, like the general area, but uh, so on Sunday night, May 28th, I, or I guess it was the afternoon we had friends over and it was, it was amazing because it was uh, just kind of like a really, really hot day um, that's in Nova Scotia. Okay. And uh, yeah, so this all started with uh, me sitting outside. I was um, literally taking my first bite of watermelon of the summer. I was just like sitting back and like my mental health has been good. And I'm like, okay, like life is good. My friends are playing washer cloth around us. Um, and then I look at my phone and I see my friend texted me saying, um, there's a fire in, um, that there's a fire in Westwood. And at first I just looked and I was like, oh, there's like, I looked online and it was like, there's smoke. And I, it, it's all, it's really kind of hard to remember exactly like step by step what happened because I felt like I was just like suddenly like I was underwater. Um, I, my parents had just dropped off a freezer and they live in, uh, Cantown. So we're about 30 minutes away. And, uh, my parents were in like the general area and I was like, okay, you guys need to get home just in case. Cause I figured, okay, it's just like this tiny little bit of smoke that people are seeing. I'm like, okay, you know what, just to be safe. And because all my clients are in the area, I was texting them saying like, listen, don't know if this is a big deal or not, but just get to your houses and like be like, let me know if I can help you get your pets though. Cause these are all pets that I've like looked after over the years. And I'm like, just let, just better be safe than sorry, I guess. And um, yeah. And then suddenly it was like, this place is being evacuated. And then uh, my family got the notice that they are being evacuated as well. Um. And I had texted my client that was like the next subdivision over. Like, I remember calling my mom as well. Sorry, I'm all over the place. I remember calling my mom and she was crying because she's like, it's just like in that moment, you're like, oh my God, what do I pack? Like, uh, because we're we're thinking, okay, how big is this? Like, how is this? This is obviously bad enough for people to be evacuated, but um, they were just kind of like looking around and my mom was like, I just don't know what to pack. I don't uh, like, Anyways, um, yeah, so my client uh, in the next subdivision up, I had called, I, I texted her and I just said, hey, just letting you know, it seems like it's really bad. Westwood is being evacuated. And uh, she said, okay, like, like I'm getting prepared just in case, but the fire would have to jump the lake to get to our place. And then literally like minutes later, uh, she, I just said, Hey, how's it going? Were you guys evacuated? And she said, we barely made it out of our uh, property and our whole property was engulfed in flames. Let's pause there. Cause this is very real homes engulfed in flames. That's real stuff. We'll talk more about it later, but it's easy for me to focus on the smoke. And I think a lot of us in the States are focusing on the smoke and we're forgetting it's really real up North. We're going to hear a lot more about that when we get back. Now, some words from our sponsors. Thanks to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. 
I just said, hey, how's it going? Were you guys evacuated? And she said, we barely made it out of our uh, property and our whole property was engulfed in flames. Wow. So I'm sitting here complaining about the smoke. You were right there at the edge of the fire when it started. Yeah, um, I was like, there's no, uh, I'm very big on like, if people have their, it's okay to uh, complain about the smoke. It's bad. I've saw, seen pictures of how bad it is, but just like in other areas right now, because it's kind of passed on from where we're at now, because um, the fire is, is out, but 200 homes destroyed later. It's not completely, I guess, out, but it's like contained, 85% contained, but yeah. Do you know if your home was destroyed? Um, my home is not. So my partner and I, my boyfriend and I live uh, 30 minutes from the air, from like the area where it started. But my family, like the host that I, like my, my mom and my stepdad, um, their host is okay. Their subdivision is okay. But like I have a lot of uh, clients that lost their house. And so the worst thing about this, is that because it was such a sunny day, it, it, this is just the, the, the most gut-wrenching thing about it, is because it was such a sunny day, people were just going out and enjoying their day. Like, it was the first, like, really hot day. And people were just going out for, like, bike rides or walks or whatever. And then they got, like, it was so instant that it was like, okay, we're, oh, my God, we're being evacuated. And then some of my clients were like, I like I'm trying to get back in for my animals and they're not letting me. Um, and that's the, the biggest issue with this whole thing is that like so many animals were displaced and I unfortunately lost a client of mine, like a dog and a cat. Yeah. It's like, I, like so many of my clients lost their homes and it sounds like I'm very like, sounds like I'm very unemotional about it, but I think it's just kind of like I'm, traumatized by all of it and I'm just trying to come out of it as much as I can you know yeah I'm really really sorry I'm really sorry and it is it's one of these one of the only situations I can think of where I'm like I don't feel bad complaining about the smoke because the smoke has been concerning and we all run inside because it's like the past two days or each day around 4 p.m everything outside just turns brown yeah. And everybody gets indoors and it's freaky and I have a kid and he's been up coughing all night. So it's like, I will complain about that because that's a disaster, but also yeah, to absolutely. be right, right, right there at the center of it is terrifying. And I'm so sorry that I'm so sorry you lost some animal friends along the way. Well, it's, uh, it's, it just makes you think about like, just like the air quality and stuff that everybody's breathing in as well. Like I, I was just kind of ignorant into thinking that the smoke wouldn't travel that far, but I've just never been around a wildfire before. So I have, um, pet service friends that are in New York and they're like, is anybody concerned about the smoke? Like how, how are you working out your dog walks and stuff? And yeah, it was bad. It was really bad here for a while as well, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. I feel like I'm just, there's no right way to talk about this. You know, it's just, no, and you don't have to, you keep apologizing. There's no need. You've just been through a disaster It's and it's still ongoing and not even the news surrounding it, like the actual aftermath of it is slowly rolling down the Eastern seaboard as we speak. Uh, so we're all still in the middle of it and, and you saw some stuff. So please, you don't have to, you don't have to apologize um, so much. I promise. Yeah. I know you're, I know you're Canadian, but no need to apologize on this one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I have a habit of um, apologizing for everything. And I feel like um, I feel like because I didn't lose my house, I don't have the right to be upset about it, you know. But it's obviously very, like my whole, this sounds awful because it's like literally people lost everything. And uh, it's just that I'm experiencing my, my loved ones and people that I've connected with all over all these years. And it's just like, one second their house was there and the next it was just ash. And yeah. it's, it's and, and like the trails that I've walked the dogs on as well, it's all gone. And you're seeing like people going through the area and like recording just like what the road looks like. And it's, it's, it's nuts. It's just, it just, and it's, I feel like I've just like distanced myself from it just to kind of uh, protect my own mental health. But it's also just like, it's literally a, a nightmare. It's it's nuts. 
Yeah, I know that I've read, you know, I live in New Jersey and I've read that the size of the fire was larger than the entirety of the state of New Jersey. It would be as if the entire state I live in was on fire at the same time, which is mind-boggling. Yeah. It's, it's hard to even comprehend. So there was also one in Shelburne, like um, there's two different areas in Nova Scotia that it was, that there was two actually fires at the same time. And uh, it, it's not, yeah. So the Tantalan one was more, a lot more homes were all destroyed and stuff. And it was very large there. And then the Shelburne one was even bigger. Um, and I feel bad because like you see a lot on social media and everybody was reaching out to help Tantalan, but I feel like the province kind of forgot a little bit about Shelburne for a little while there, just because it was like, Tantalan's close to the hub of our city. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I had a plan for how I was going to like break the news. I was going to talk about how like, yeah, it was like everything was good and uh, just kind of make a story of it just to, because it's, it's nuts. But I, now that I'm talking about it, it's just like, you. I don't know. I feel like I'm still coming down. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I don't think we need the story. I think we should just live in these emotions together. Connect this people. I feel like that's the best I can offer in it right now. Yeah. Just to let you know there's other people outside of that thinking of you and feeling the effects of it in our own right and and understanding that if it's this bad here, this many miles from from where the impact actually happened, I, I can't imagine what you're dealing with up there. So we can just connect. You don't have to have a plan. Yeah. Nobody ever required a plan for Beautiful Anonymous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know I always think back to the episode about the guy walking around talking about a salad spinner in Walmart or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I haven't even brought myself to drive through the area where you can see it yet because it's, like, there's still so many people evacuated, but they're slowly moving people in again. But it's just, like, how are you supposed to go back to just living everyday life when that happened, um, I can't, I guess a really hard thing about this as well is, um, but yeah, I lost, I lost two clients of mine and yeah, I'm going to cry a little bit. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember the last time I saw them because like I, it, it was a while ago that I had walked their dog and saw their cat. But it's like part of the thing that's killing me is that like she, my client was, even though I hadn't talked to her in so long, that's the thing about this job. Like you connect with so many animals and so many like homes, you get to see into like the life of so many people. And uh, I had connected, I connect with these animals so much. And then sometimes I just like, they won't ever book me again or they'll move away or whatever. And it's just like, it's a lot of really close connections especially when like animals are what get me by mentally and I don't remember the last time I even saw her dog but I had texted her and I said I said do you uh I'm probably, I'm gonna use their names um but like I said do you need me to get and but she was she was out at the time and she didn't have her phone on her and the next thing they knew their house was gone so and I sound so unemotional talking about it I guess it's just like still in shock. But it's heavy shit. It's really heavy yeah. stuff. When did you realize that you connect so hard with animals? Oh God. When I, I grew up with a, a yellow lab and she was my best friend. I was one of those kids that would like, I, I hung out with her more than my friends, I guess. And she was the first dog that I ever loved. And then I, yeah, I, that was probably the first connection that I ever had. It's such a unique perspective to experience this tragedy from of, you know, you've expressed a number of times, there's 200 homes gone. There's people you know who barely made it out. There's people who, you know, their houses were standing and then the next time they checked on it, their house was completely gone. That's all very scary. But you've also consistently kept referring to the, the number of clients that you've had who were in there. And I've noticed that sometimes you use clients to refer to the humans 
who might hire you to watch their pets, but then sometimes yeah. you say clients and you're just referring to the dogs yeah. themselves. Yeah. And I, I've, no, I've noticed that in your language. So this is something you really define yourself by, huh? Yeah, yeah. I actually confuse people a lot because when I, this is awful, but um, I often, like I deal with a lot of death in my job. Um, and I often will say to a client, like a human client, that um, one of my clients died and they'll be like, oh my God, what? And I'll be like, yeah, like I, I walked him like a couple of years ago and they're like, oh, their dog, oh my God. And it's like, I've had that reaction a couple of times with my with uh, my clients that passed away recently. And it's like, I get, I absolutely get that there's, that people like, val- a lot of people will value a human life over an animal, but like these are, literally my life and it hurt it sucks because you connect with um i've connected with so many animals over the years and i have little quirks little routines that i do with each one and then just suddenly like i don't know it's it's really made me realize how time passes and because i've lost so many just due to old age and stuff like i've lost so many and you wouldn't think that like as someone who literally just like hangs out with animals and gets to play with them all day. Like it's so much more than that. Do you think you connect better with people or with animals? Uh, That's a hard one. I think I, I think I connect with animals more in the sense that I can be myself around them. By humans, um, I've always been the type of person that I, I've been very open about my mental health struggles and I've been kind of, like an advocate for that. So uh, people have kind of not magnetized to me. I don't know the right word, but they've kind of like levitated towards me to talk about their mental health um, journey as well. And just because I've literally just posted, I'm very, I'm an open book when it comes to that stuff. So I connect with people in that sense. But then you put me in a room with a bunch of people and I go right for the animals. Like they talk. So... I'm sure you've heard over the years on the show, because you've mentioned that you've listened a bunch, that I'm not really a dog person. Yeah. And people sometimes get mad at me about this. Yeah, I know. I feel like you may, maybe you've, maybe you've been someone who's had an issue with that in the past. And if you need to, you know, vent a little emotion, if you need to displace some of the fear and anger that you're feeling and the uncertainty, and you need to just let me know why I'm an idiot for not connecting with dogs. I'm perfectly willing. And I understand that you've been through some trauma and maybe you need to place it somewhere else. And if you want to place it on me for that, I'm all ears. I might not, I don't have any anger towards people who um, don't like animals, but I can certainly tell you that I know that you deal, You, I don't know about currently, but I know you have dealt with lots of uh, mental health troubles and the reason why, I, like, I guess I can sell you dogs is because they live in the moment. They don't, they don't judge you. Like, if you, they don't care what you look like. They don't care if you haven't brushed your teeth in a week. Um, you, like, you know how disgusting mental health can be. I know we all talk about the the pretty side, not the pretty side, but there's easier things that you can talk about, but there's ugly stuff too. And the animals don't care, like they don't judge you and they don't hold grudges. And I just find that as somebody that's constantly anxious, I can look at a a dog and they will keep me just present because they're not thinking about anything except for what's in the moment. And um, something that I wrote down uh, that I thought that it would even, I know you had mentioned that you want to get a dog for a cow and I, Something that kind of made me very emotional one time is I was dropping off one of my client's dogs and I noticed something in his dish and I, I brought it up to his mom. I was like, oh, what, what, what's he got there? Because it just looked bizarre. And she looked at me and she was like, my kids don't like the cucumber peels. So I peel them and put it in the dish and he, it's his favorite snack. And it's those little things that might seem so stupid, but it's those little things that you're just like, that's a thing. That's their thing that they do with their dog and, and their dog. I don't know. Like there, there's little routines that they get and their dog also would protect her kids from anything as well. 
I want to just correct one thing. You said you've heard me say that I want to get a dog for Cal. And um, mm -hmm. the, I just want to be clear. I don't want to get him a dog. I assume I will have to at some point. And being that yeah. he's an only child, I'll feel a real sense of obligation about that. But I don't want to. Although it sounds pretty delightful, little doggy eating cucumber peels. That sounds that sounds good. I see how that's cute. I get it. It's just once you get once you get one. Like I, I know that with some people, it's like okay, I get it. Like and sometimes dog people are just insufferable to those who just are just like okay, like you like what you like. But uh, once you see the bond that can be created between a person and a dog, you're just like fuck. I made the right decision. Okay. Okay. Well, what can, based yeah. on what you know of me from listening to this show, I'm sure you have some sense of my personality. If you've listened to a handful of episodes. Oh, yeah. You yeah. are someone who's met, met a lot of dogs. I'm sure you might have opinions on which types of dogs best fit which types of people. Are there any dogs that you think would fit a guy like me? And understand, we're now entering some thorny territory where there's some listeners who might have strong opinions on this. Oh, God. I really don't know. I've always, I, you know what? I thought about that and I feel bad because I know there was a caller who called in once and you guys started talking about this. And I remember they were talking about like a greyhound and stuff like that. And uh, I felt so bad because on the, the chat online, I, I, asked, I got so excited to talk about dogs that I kind of just, I said, Chris, oh my God, you need to get this kind of dog. And then I was like, fuck, I just, I didn't even comment on the caller story or anything like that. And I felt <laughs> so bad. Um, I felt really bad, but I, you can't go wrong with a lab, but they need a lot of exercise. Okay. And they can be nutty. Nutty yeah. how? Nutty in what way? What does that mean? Oh, they're just like, I, so I actually have um, a chocolate lab staying at my house right now. Like, because my clients are evacuated, I have a number of my clients at my house right now because they don't have a place to stay. And I, one of them is a chocolate lab. And when I have him out on the trails, he's, he, I call him the firecracker of the group because it's like, I just like, like I set off a grenade and I just throw it in and he just like runs through the trees and he gets all the other dogs going. Cause I'll get groups of like six of them at once and then I'll just go into the woods with them. And he always gets the the group going, but he's also very hard to calm down. But then uh, he's just, just a lot of energy. Okay. It'll happen someday. And I'll think of you when it does. Um, my partner has been, a huge help. And he actually wants to come in and say, hi, he'll probably pop his head. And I told him to get, I was just like, go, go, go. Sure. I'm going to be on the call on the show, but he wants to come in at the end because he is, you need to talk to him sometime. We've been dating for almost 11 years and he is seriously one of a kind. He loves animals as much as I do. And he is a, he's a paramedic, um, which I know that you kind of have, like, I think the last time I heard that you were a drive like an ambulance I drive, driver. I drive an ambulance. Yeah. 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 The, just about the lowest level commitment you can have in that world. And let's pause because I know there's going to be people saying, don't you be too self deprecating. And I get it. You're right. I'm doing my part. I'm trying. I'll stop beating up on myself and apologizing for it. Thanks everybody. You don't need to tell me anymore. I hear you. Anyway, we've got some ads. Let's get to them. We'll be right back. Thanks again for everybody who buys ads on the show and allows it to exist. Now let's finish off the phone call. He's a paramedic, um, which I know that you kind of have, like, I think the last time I heard that you were a drive, like an ambulance I drive, driver. I drive an ambulance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, I, just about the lowest level commitment you can have in that world. It's funny because here, um, like, in Nova Scotia, he, like they, a lot of people will call paramedics ambulance drivers, or they'll be like, "Oh, do you, does he get to drive the ambulance?" Because here, you're both like you you drive the ambulance and you're a paramedic that like works on the patients, and there's two people on each truck. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like a running joke here. Is like people will call them ambulance drivers because, and it's like, "Oh, I do more than that." Like, I'm, but he's been very. Not, not, not saying anything bad about what you do at all, but it's just like what he does is is a lot, and it's he's trained to do more and like, administer medications and deal with traumatic like 
injuries and all that kind of stuff. So, Well, it's another thing that connects us too, because I tell you, Tuesday night I was on call and I got a call at 3.30 in the morning. And I can't say too much about any individual specific call. There's all sorts of laws about that. Yeah. But what I can tell you is that when I, dro- when I dropped them off at the local hospital, the local hospital told us they had had over 100 patients dropped off that night. There were 70 people still waiting to be seen by doctors. And uh, yeah. so much of it was because of the smoke. So much of it was because, you know, I think anybody who had a lung issue was really... Wow. Really nervous. And, and uh, you know, also just to be clear for anybody listening, if somebody's listening to this in the future going, I'm going to Google this fire smoke situation, because my guess is that it'll be really intensely talked about now. And then over time, it'll become this weird memory for those of us who just dealt with the smoke. And obviously, those of you who are close to the fire will be dealing with the ramifications much longer. But for anybody mm-hmm. who's wondering, you know, 10, 15 years in the future, what this blip in, in history is about... Canada caught on fire and then a giant cloud of smoke rolled down the east coast of America. And the fact that, you know, there were a hundred people in a small area of New Jersey that went to the hospital in one night, it's this thing that we're all talking about. Oh, this smoke, this anomaly. No, it it really messed people up. It really messed people up mm-hmm. where you are and where I am. And I'll also get on a bit of a high horse and say that I know not everybody shares my values, but at a certain point, we just have to decide that the climate is something real that we need to take care of. Yeah. When you read about what happened and how this fire started, one of the first things that everybody's saying is, well, the warm season is extending. Spring is starting earlier. Fall is ending later. There's more time for things to be warm, to dry out. Yeah. You know, they have a fire season. There's people who track it in all sorts of forested areas. There's professionals who work really, really hard. They do controlled burns to try to clear out areas that might lead to disasters like this. There's all sorts of effort put into it and thought and science. And the idea that something like this could unfold so quickly and that it would prove so hard to contain and that there'd be no warning. When, when I tell you, I, I tell you, my wife and I, we got in a little fight. I think it was on Sunday night because my wife has, I'll tell you, I have a terrible sense of smell. She has an incredible sense of smell. And yep. She woke me up Sunday night and she was like, something in your office upstairs is burning. And I went up into the office where I'm sitting right now. Nothing was on fire. She came up. She's like, I smell it. I go, I don't smell it. She goes, yeah, but your sense of smell sucks. And I really trust her. So we unplugged everything. We're looking at everything. And then she woke me up again. I think it was three times she woke me up because she smelled smoke. And I finally was like, you've got to let me sleep. What are we doing? And we wound up getting in a fight. And I was rude. I was very exhausted. And I was rude. And I felt bad. And I apologized. But it blindsided us. And things like this shouldn't blindside us. There's people whose jobs are to track this and predict this and contain it when it happens. And this one blindsided us. And it's got me and you connected hundreds of miles apart and all the way down in Baltimore and and Washington, D.C. and Philly, hours south of where I am, people are dealing with it now as that cloud of smoke rolls through. So I'll just get on a high horse and say, millions and millions of dollars in property damage, I'm sure an ecological disaster with all the forested areas lost. You have the unique perspective of thinking of all the pets who are not a first responder's first priority. The first priority is human life and these pets left behind. It's brutal and it's sad, but it blindsided us. And things like this, there's a lot of infrastructure in place specifically so things like this don't blindside us. And this one did. And yeah, we at some point have got to start taking care of the earth because the earth, it really feels like it's either starting to fail due to the strain we're putting on it, or it's starting to push back against humanity. And I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but it's really starting to feel like we're effing around way too much. And there, this is one of the many examples in which we are finding out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny, not funny at all, actually, but um, I would always, so some of the trails that are in the area that I would walk the dogs on, um, there's an area where people want to uh, kind of like make, take away trees and build 
an exit. This kind of relates to what you're saying, but they wanted to build an exit for one of the subdivisions. And me being somebody who spends like 90% of their time in the forest, I was like, stop. Like, we don't need more. We don't need more subdivisions. We don't need more roads. Just like leave this area where, like, as it is. And this has thrown me for a loop because, like, if this fire had started at the back of my parents' subdivision, people would have, like, thank God there hasn't been any human, like, human deaths in this. There haven't been any that they know of yet? No, none of that they know of, no. Oh, that's an actual miracle. miracle. Really a miracle. Yeah, it's it's a miracle. It's, and it's because of how fast it happened, people weren't able, like, people just started panicking, but then they were thinking, oh, it's just a fire in this subdivision and only this subdivision is being um, evacuated. But then literally, like I had texted my client, like I said, in the next subdivision over and it, it went so fast. She's like, oh, we would have to jump the lake. But, and they say, they said that like as a tree would catch on fire, it would just light up just like, cause it was so dry and we hadn't had rain in so long. Like that's how fast it moved. But I, I was always against that fire exit because I was like, just leave it as it was. But now I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, which is just kind of a weird twist on that because it's like, I've always been like, please just stop fucking taking down trees. But now yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's, yeah, it's a weird thing because I, yeah. Well, it's, in, it, uh, it's also interesting. And I also just want to say too, and, and, if you don't mind me gushing about my wife for a, a few minutes. Of course. My wife is seriously devoted to the environment yeah. and seriously devoted to activism surrounding it. And I'm so proud of her. And I try to tell her and she's humble about it. And she doesn't realize how proud of her I am. Our, our town, I think every town in New Jersey has to have an environmental commission. I think it's a mandated thing. She started attending the meetings and nobody's showing up to the environmental commission meetings. She started showing up to all of them. They said, why don't you just become an alternate commissioner? You're at all the meetings anyway. So she yeah. joined the environmental commission in our town. And the thing she shows me, she tells me about all these things where I'm telling you, the stuff you and I are talking about right now, we think about this Canadian fire that's making international news, that's affecting large parts of America. And these are the things we all hear about. But the people who are making the moves to try to stop that, I promise you, are just people who live down your block or people who like environmental activism is a hands on grassroots level thing. Like you mentioned trees. Now, look, a lot of trees just burned because they they dried out. And I'm sure there's all sorts of science behind it. And I don't want to speak to it. But there's little things happening all over where you sit here, you go. If you have a house in your neighborhood and it's got a bunch of trees in it and you have neighbors that decide, well, we just want a clear view. We're going to rip out all the trees. That's a disaster. That is a small scale disaster that's going to be part of a bigger disaster. And I've learned this from my wife. In my hometown, West Orange, New Jersey, you can look this up. There was an an apartment complex. It was about a year, maybe 18 months ago. There was a giant rock slide from the cliff. It was built at the bottom of a, of a cliff area. And there was a giant rock slide. They realized that the rock slide destabilized the entire foundation. This entire apartment complex got shut down. And all these families that lived there in what was some pretty affordable housing in an area that's getting less and less affordable, all of these people had to relocate. They're trying to find relatives to live with, living in hotels. Some of these are kids in school, having their school years disrupted. Sounds like a local thing. But the big theory that a lot of people have is at the top of that cliff, for as long as anybody remembered, it was a forest. And then the town allowed it to be developed and turned into athletic fields by a high school. And they plowed down all the trees. The roots of those trees used to hold the soil in place. They used to hold moisture that helped keep that dirt in in place and heavy and instead you've now got this dry dirt with nothing holding it rock slide families displaced yeah people home people without homes kids whose school years are destroyed because they're living out of hotels while they've also got all the pressure that's a local issue and i don't think people realize especially when it comes to the environmentalist fights every single person who signs up to get active in a local organization is effectively 
drawing a line in the stand and becoming the individual person holding the line against all sorts of stuff that leads to things as big as the fire you're living next to. And I firmly believe that. Yeah. It makes me want to go and volunteer my time a lot more and, and learn more about how I can help. I, um, I want to, after all of this, I decided that I've, I definitely, that's not really so much with the environment, but I decided that I want to become a uh, volunteer firefighter just because like, like God bless them for what they had to see and what they've been doing. I have a miracle to tell you. I'm sorry. I like, I, I'm sorry that I'm just kind of changing the topic. Uh, I, I have a miracle to tell you about through all of this. One of my clients thought they lost their home um, and we were grieving that, but they managed to get out, but they, so they, they thought they had lost their home, but my, my partner's uh, brother is a volunteer firefighter and uh, he had texted me a couple of days after this is in the midst of just everything. And um, he just said, is this, like he's close with the dogs and he said, is insert name here, is this his house? And I was like, yes, why? Because like every, it was already posted on the news that this, that this whole area was gone. And he said, it's one of their own, it's one of the only houses standing. Oh, wow. And that, that is just, that's a whole different, in the midst of all this grief and disgusting feelings, that is something that like, it's, it's a yucky thing that it's like the community's obviously never going to be the same, but it's just like, oh my God, they thought it was, gone and and it's still standing it and it's he said it's one of the only houses and he said it was really emotional for him because after going through that whole area and having to take note of the remains of every house and what was left of every house and just to see that one that he recognized he said it was really an emotional thing for him i bet i bet i want to ask about another emotional side of this if that's okay mm-hmm. you know America, America tends to fall into this trap of thinking that we are the center of the world. And we, we export a ton of pop culture and a ton of political influence, but also our news tends to dominate the conversation. And I'm wondering how it must feel, um, or if you're even aware, so much of the American news coverage is about the cloud of smoke and really nothing about the fire. And you know, the, the New York Post had a headline that just is a picture of New York shrouded in this orange-brown smoke. And it just, the headline just says, blame Canada. And I look at that and I'm, I go, you know, fuck the New York Post for that one. If I'm just being totally blunt, blame oil companies, blame climate deniers, blame politicians who allow companies to profit in industries that are poisoning the earth. Blame a lot of those people before Canada. I'm wondering how it must feel to realize there's a lot of coverage of the smoke clouds in the States and almost no coverage of of what's the actual source of it, which is a, a far more severe situation where you are, let alone some of the news outlets that seem to be blaming your country for this. When I, I would say, as an American, I just apologize for that because that's an insanely juvenile way to think of it yeah it definitely is it's like as i mean obviously none of us planned for this to happen it it happened so quickly and it grew so quickly and um when you think about it it's like these are it'd be nice for people to talk about how i don't know you just hear about these things these awful things happening everywhere else and now it's happening here um like even just in a lot of people think of Nova Scotia as this tiny little town on the side of, uh, of, the, of the country, but we've been through a lot and the news coverage should cover more than obviously just that, I guess. I don't, I'm not really sure if I have exact feelings on that, but it is, it is important to know that like we're more uh, like these are people's lives that have been completely disrupted and we, even though we're a small little province, we still, we, we, we have a housing crisis here and now people have literally lost their homes and there's nowhere, there was no place for anybody to go. And now we're 
also dealing with literally like the price of groceries and having no housing and all that kind of stuff. And then you just throw this all on top of it. Um, it's, it's a loss. And our, uh, our province has this thing that we call Nova Scotia strong. Um, and that might not mean anything to you or to many of the people listening, but, um, it all started back when COVID first happened and, um, a tiny community in our province was subject to a mass shooting. Um, the largest shooting in in uh, in Canada, actually, 22 people were. This is just awful. I don't know how I'm getting onto this. It's rambling, but um, we came. We it's, we started talking about Nova Scotia strong, and that was how we kind of we like Nova Scotia was plastered all over the news in that way. Um, and it's kind of to the point where it's like people are posting like be like, we still have to be Nova Scotia strong. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't want to be strong anymore. I don't want, it's just been so much that our tiny little community has dealt with. And I'm just, yeah. It's a lot. I hate to, I hate to even be reductive, but I'll tell you, there's a, a rapper named Pat stay. Have you heard of Pat stay? Yes. Yes. He's a battle. Rapper. I've heard about that whole. Well, he's from Nova Scotia and he, I've seen a bunch of videos of him in these battles and he speaks a lot about Nova Scotia and paints it as a place that's a lot tougher than I think maybe a lot of outsiders realize. And he was sadly stabbed to death. So it's another yeah. reflection of just, man, Nova Scotia is a place where people have to kind of learn how to have some scar tissue built up, huh? Yeah, well, the thing is about our province is that we're the type of people that you can just talk to a stranger when you're at a gas station and they'll tell, they'll just go into like, that's something that I I love that they'll just go into their life story. And we've always been there for one another. Um, Through the fires, uh, people were like, so many people came together and donated. Like there's just been churches filled with clothing and items and stuff. And we've got like so many people. The reason why the pet community was, so affected by this was because there has been no human death in the fires, but there, because so many people were evacuated so quickly, they were, they had to, like, they had no chance to go back for their pets. And that's why people, like the rescue efforts have been a lot of it has been focused on the animals that are, that were like abandoned in these areas. Um, and people have volunteered by just donating everything that they can, like live traps to catch animals and um, like pet supplies and all that kind of stuff as well. And our community comes together, even though we, even though it's awful circumstances, it, our, our communities do come together for sure. Nova Scotia strong. I'm glad to help get that on record because it's been so much coverage of the smoke, the smoke, the smoke clouds forgetting smoke comes from fire. And just because it's, again, it's one of those things that we have to all adjust our thinking on is that smoke doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from a fire. And if the fire is on the other side of a border, you don't get to ignore the fire anymore. In the same way that there's so many countries that are dealing with influxes of human refugees. And you realize these are not people coming from nowhere. They're coming from somewhere. And the places that they're leaving behind are suffering in some way or are dangerous in some way or aren't able to provide resources in some way. And that's why human beings are crossing these, let's remember, arbitrarily drawn invisible borders. Mm -hmm. Things come from places. The smoke came from a fire. We shouldn't be allowed to ignore the fire here in the States and just talk about the smoke. And I'm sorry that that's been happening. Well, it's, it's interesting that like so many people, the thing, the reason why I love beautiful anonymous is because it gives you, it kind of makes a human look at another human as just another human being and not just somebody that's like lost in the crowd. And you realize that everybody has their story. And it's interesting because when things like this happen in our communities, like you can feel people just becoming a little bit kinder to one another. Um, And that's something that obviously it shouldn't take a natural disaster to happen, but yeah, I, uh, something that's killing me, like the, the, 
the part that's killing me the most about all of this is that I, through the loss of my, my clients and stuff, like these are, these are houses that I've lived in. Um, I, and I, and the thing that kills me the most obviously is that like, I reached out to all of my clients and, and most of them got out, but some of them didn't like the, the pets didn't. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to talk on the show about just how unique my job was in the sense that like I, when I was living in people's houses, I would see all the little things like at Christmas time, I would see them put up their trees and at Halloween, I would see their decorations. And over the years, like I kind of like looked for these different like times. Um, And when I was living in these houses, like I got a taste of their life. Like I knew their routines that they had with their pets. And I saw like their kids paintings that were put up that on a, on their fridge. I saw the things that meant a lot to them in their life being obviously respectful because I'm being in somebody else's house. But um, it, it, like I, I got to kind of see into these people's lives. And it's just, I guess that's another thing that I'm grieving over is the loss of just like so much and so many families losing everything. And it's like, the, I don't know, it's, it's because of the nature of my job, I've connected with these people so intensely. And so just, I guess, emotionally and yeah. It just makes you think. Absolutely, it does. My boyfriend is going to come in and he's probably going to start talking about donors and um, food just because he's literally, because of the sweet personality he is, he's able, like, I don't know how he deals with so much trauma in his job uh, and still can just think of the good in life. And he's going to come in and just talk about some stuff like that. But, um, Something that I just wanted to say is that, like, I I'm so thankful for him because he's he was able to make jokes about things like dark humor and stuff, and he's gotten me through so much of it. And I have so much more to say, but about like how we met and how um, how he's helped me out through numerous uh, natural disasters and COVID. And but yeah, you'll love him. And I want him to call him sometimes because you could talk to him. He'd love to talk to you about jujitsu and improv and all that kind of stuff. And just food. He'd oh, so love me, to just talk about Me food. and him have a lot in common. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, I mean, I was telling him, I'm like, I'm going to talk about the fire. I'm going to talk about how, how much trauma. He's like, make sure you talk about yourself, though, too. Like, make sure you, because your job is really cool and stuff. And he, and he goes, and don't worry about talking about donairs, because when I get in there, I'll make sure that he knows what a donair is. So, Well, I yeah. need to know. I mean, we have about six minutes left. So if, if we're going to give him a chance to get some stuff off his chest, it might be, <laughs> now might be the time. I'm going to tell him. I'm telling him to come in. I, I literally shoot him out. I was just like, he's calling, get out. And he's like, I'm going. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's one of a kind. Well, I'm happy you're safe. I'm sorry you've dealt with everything. I'm sorry that some pups got lost along the way. Thank you for telling us what it's like up there. It's it's made me take a breath and realize that as we're all sitting here stressing, but also joking about the craziness of the smoke, that there's a lot of a lot of humanity unfolding just north of where I am. And my, my heart does go out to you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know how things are going to continue, um, but... Cause like my life has turned completely upside down with all of my clients being evacuated and the forest being literally gone that I have worked in. Uh, I have no idea what that means for me, but I just, I'm just focusing on the doggos and being positive. I can hear him. He's coming in now. Okay. All right. Hi. Well- you need to tell you, you don't have long. You have to tell him what a donor is. Oh, I can, I can see what that is right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> Hello, it's, it's it's like a it's like a gyro or a zero kind of thing, <laughs> except it's a Nova Scotia thing, and it's they got different spices on it, and the sauce is different. It's like a sweet, sugary milk and what is it? Milk and condensed milk and vinegar. And yeah, and, and yeah. People, you either love it or you hate it. People are like, they'll come here and go, "Ew, what's that?" Or they'll be like, "No, oh, that's the best thing ever." Yeah. Is it like yeah. a, I've seen places called like a donor kebab? Is it is it related to that? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, we don't we don't we don't have them on kebabs here. It's it's just tomatoes, onions, and like sliced beef spiced in it. That's it's the spices that make it special. 
and uh, it's really good. Up, like yeah. I, I can't think okay. of another food oh, that so kind of compares different. to it. Oh, it does say similar to the donor kebab, as I know it, but it's a type of sandwich originated in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yep, now, that's it. I just have yeah. to say, so. your partner told us that you're a very positive person. I just have to say, I'm, I'm glad that you so enthusiastically told us about your favorite sandwich while your world is, uh, without exaggeration, on fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you guys talk about the fire and everything. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty intense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, it's... Yeah, no, but um, it, it, it's more of like the best way to describe it. It's just it's a giant mess, almost more so. It, it, it's it's kind of oh like God, a raft. Talking about donairs, I mean, the like fire the, or the sandwich. Are you talking about? You went right no, back no, to no, the no, sandwich. No, instead of sandwich, I said it's more like a giant. <laughs> I'm still talking about the donairs here. Yeah, yeah, you know. See, it's really hard to be thinking of the sad things when you uh, when you got people who are this passionate. Yeah, so, when you said it's a giant mess, I figured you. When you said it was a giant mess, I figured you were talking about the fire, but no, you're still talking about donairs. I don't even eat meat. Do they have veggie donairs? Right, because he's a vegetarian. Oh, no, I don't know how that, I've got around here. You might be able to. You can probably try, yeah. I also hear you're a paramedic, huh? Yeah, I've been doing that for like six years now. Thank you for doing that. I, uh, for anybody listening, at least where I work, like we have the volunteers, so I'm a driver. Then there's the volunteer EMTs, but when things get serious, they call on the paramedics. Is that how it works for you as well? Um, it's a little different here. Um, wait, like a, you go through school and you're like a paramedic right away. Now I don't know how the scope of practice difference, but like it's about a year of school. It's not very long, but like we can do IVs and like give medications yes, through the yes. IVs and all that stuff. But there's different levels here. So we got like the primary care paramedics. They got a, there's still a lot we can do, but then there's advanced care. So like there's certain calls where I'm like, oh, okay, I can't give this medication. I need the advanced care paramedic, right? Yeah. So, and then you call for help and then they're still, then they're like two hours away. And then you're like, okay, well, looks like I'm on my own. <laughs> yeah. A bit of a healthcare crisis here in Nova Scotia. Yeah. I had uh, I tell you, I had a call Tuesday night and the paramedics showed up and they got on our ambulance and they drive like a souped up SUV full of all their equipment. And I got to drive their SUV back to the hospital to meet them. Pretty sweet setup in that paramedic SUV. Pretty advanced stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. For for us it's just um it's just amp just all ambulances for us. Like the supervisors will and sometimes they have paramedics on those SUVs just they'll just come for like support, but it's pretty much just all the ambulances for us, you know. As you know, they don't drive too well. They pretty much just drive like a like a U-Haul. Yeah, it's a fun ride. Yeah. I like doing it. Yeah, no, and yeah, and thank you for doing that too. It's, it's a it's a pretty crazy job. You definitely see it's, it's different every day. You see a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, I've gotten some calls. Most of it's helping the elderly, at least with the volunteer level. Yeah, and then every once in a while, it's concerning, and and you see something that's grim. And then every once in a while, you see something that's truly bizarre and hilarious in a way that keeps me going for weeks at a time. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's one of those jobs where you're driving home and you're just like, what was that today? Whether it was a, someone who was really sick or just the weirdest thing you've ever seen, you know, like you, you have to see it to believe it. Absolutely. Well, thanks for doing it. We've only got 30 seconds left. Okay. What would you like to leave here? What would you, what's the lasting impression you want to leave at the end of this somewhat sad phone call? Well, he's like, he's like, I'm just going to say, I, I wanted to say you were right about New York smelling like pee. Oh, it does. It's in New York smells like pee? You want to road trip to New York. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. It does smell like pee. When it gets really, when it gets too hot, all you can smell all the pee. Yeah. Yep. Um, I have no idea literally what I was going to say, except for, um, I, I wanted to say that love was, love is everywhere. And I, when I listened to that, I re-listened to that episode recently, and I can guarantee that uh, through all of this, we I've definitely felt that, for sure. That's good. That's a mantra. I'm wearing my Love is Everywhere t-shirt right now as we speak, and I think about it all the time. Yay. So I'm glad to hear it's helping you, too. It definitely is. I really appreciated talking to you as all over the place as I was. Oh, you were great. You were great. And guess what? You got a lot on your mind, and you've seen a lot of stuff and been totally overwhelmed. And you still did great. And you don't have to apologize for anything. And I'm so glad we got to talk. And I'm glad you're safe. Yes, thank you. And I hope that the smoke clears up where you are as well. Caller, thank you. Caller's partner, thank you. I'm mad that I didn't get to have a donair before I stopped eating meat. But I bet there's somebody out there making a veggie donair. 
I bet someone's going to send me a link to a vegetarian donor, and I'd be psyched to see it. And I'd be psyched to talk to you again someday, both of you. This show is produced by Anita Flores. It's engineered by Jared O'Connell. Our theme song is by Shell Shack. If you want to know about me and what I'm up to, chrisgeth.com is the resource for that. Wherever you're listening, you can hit a button that says subscribe, favorite, follow. It helps us so much when you do. Please think about doing so. If you want merch, check out podswag.com. If you want episodes ad-free, Stitcher Premium is the answer. Use the promo code STORIES for a one-month free trial at stitcher.com slash premium. And the best thing you can do to help the show is if you like it, tell people about it. It really helps us so much. Thanks, everybody. 